Welcome to Security Data Analytics and Visualization. A pipeline process. What would a typical pipeline or workflow look like in a cybersecurity data analytics investigation? We can think of this as a five-stage process. Collect, store, combine and transform, analyze, visualize. Collect. What data do we need to collect and how will we collect it? This is fundamental as it requires us to carefully think about the problem that we hope to address. Typically, we require a sensor in order to collect data. Much like if we want to collect data about the world around us, we need to use some sensor or measurement instrument to do this effectively. Sensors could be software-based, such as a Python script that continually checks and records every new login on a particular server, or that logs all the current running processes on a workstation. IoT devices may enable us to sense something about the physical world, for example, temperature, and transmit this data to a centralized server. Humans are also powerful sensors, often overlooked when thinking about cybersecurity. For example, humans may sense observations about the workplace, such as employee engagement or disgruntlement, that if captured effectively, could help mitigate potential threats. Store. How will we store this data? Is it practical to store the volume of data required? Is there a specific format that will make this data more usable for our further analysis and investigation? Common file data formats such as comma-separated values, CSV, and JavaScript object notation, JSON, are popular amongst the data science communities. For larger distributed data collection, databases may be a preferable approach, but that may be better suited to manage multiple users either reading or writing data simultaneously. Databases are widely used in complex systems and typically either hold structured or unstructured data. SQL, SQL, is a traditional database language used for structured data, whilst NoSQL, NoSQL, and structured methods such as MongoDB have been adopted more recently, but effectively store a collection of JSON documents. Whichever approach is taken, you'll need to consider how often the data is being written into your data store, how often it is being read from your data store, and how many users will need to do this at any one time to manage the scalability of how your data is stored. Combine and transform. Once we have a way of storing our data, what do we want to do with it? Typically, we may be looking to gather data over time to observe whether there is some change in behavior, or we may be looking to combine multiple data sources to help explain why a particular observation has occurred, such as a cybersecurity breach or some suspicious activity on our network. We may also want to transform the data in some manner to make it easier to explore and understand. Aggregation is a widely used process for transforming data. To aggregate data simply means to reduce this data to some form of summary. A common example would be to take the mean value 
of the data collected over a given time period. For example, given the number of raw packets captured from a network, we may want to know the total number of packets observed every minute, or the average size for packets received each minute. This provides a much clearer indication when comparing activity over time, rather than studying individual packets. This can also be described as feature extraction, since you are deriving a set of features that characterize our raw data, which could then be used to inform a machine learning model. It may also be described as data pre-processing, since we are essentially preparing our data so that it is in a more appropriate format to work with for further investigation. Other examples may include rescaling absolute values, such as rescaling RGB pixel values in an image, or rescaling RAM usage to be a percentage of the total RAM available in a system. Analyze. We now have both the raw data and a feature-based representation of the data. You may sometimes refer to this as having focus and context of our data, where we can both drill down into the detail of each data point whilst observing something about the overall data distribution. With this in mind, we now need to establish what kind of analysis we need for our task. We may wish to examine data based on some thresholding techniques. For example, identify all cases where more than X network connections have been established during a one hour period. We may also wish to examine data using signature based techniques. For example, identify all software executables where the MD5 hash matches against a known set of examples, often described as a dictionary and widely used for antivirus detection. There are other more sophisticated forms of analysis we may also want to consider. We may want to perform classification of our data, where we have a set of possible outcomes or groups, and we want to identify which group each instance of our data belongs to. For example, classification of different malware family samples. Another form of analysis that we may wish to perform is forecasting. For example, if we have observed two data breaches in the last 12 month period, can we forecast whether we will fall victim again based on possible mitigations that could be deployed? Clustering is another form that is widely used because it allows us to group similar observations together to then examine whether they are similar under some set of assumptions. This sounds similar to classification. However, in classification, we have labeled samples to train upon, whereas in clustering, we do not have any labels. We'll discuss this further in chapter four. Finally, there is outlier and anomaly detection, a key part of security analysis. Given some observation, can we identify when something is different, and more specifically, under what conditions it is anomalous? We'll describe this further detail in due course. Visualize. Following our analysis, we need to plan how to communicate our findings. We may use two-dimensional charts and plots to do this, such as line plots, bar charts, scatter plots, as well as other forms of visual plots. It's important to appreciate 
the numerical values in a table also communicate data. Sometimes a table of numerical values will perform more effectively than a visualization, often if the data is small. As the data becomes larger, however, visualization helps to summarize this and convey details clearly. Depending on the task, we may find that a three-dimensional visualization is appropriate. This could be a three-dimensional plot, or it could be a three-dimensional reconstruction of some scene, depending on the application. Importantly, we need to think about how the end user will receive information from the chosen representation. Focus and context is a common technique to allow users to examine some aspect in detail, whilst also showing how this fits within the broader data. More and more nowadays, Interactive techniques in visualization need to be considered for how a user will learn to understand the data through interaction, such as parameter adjustment or zoom and filter of the data. Data science workflows. Once we have described a possible workflow above, it's important to recognize that there is no single right way of doing data science. More specifically, if we keep in mind that we are doing analysis for a purpose to help inform a story, whether that be exploratory or explanatory, we need to establish the question that we are asking so that we can strive to answer this. In the diagram, we see another possible workflow where we decide on a question and we acquire data to support this question. We clean and transform this data and we perform our data analysis, much like we have discussed already. However, it is important to recognize that this is not a single one-time process, nor will we necessarily ask the right question to begin with. In our example, we see three loops back to earlier stages of the process. We may need to update our analysis, for example, if we decide that we need to consider more or different features about the data. We may examine our outputs and present our results to find that we need more data. For example, if we are examining the presence of an insider threat, do we have sufficient information about the actions that they have taken, or do we only have coverage of a subset? For example, we may have network activity, but we have no record of file access activity. Finally, we may decide that we need to update our question. For example, is our original question not achievable or do we need to be more specific with how the question is formed? Two further models of analysis are presented, both showing how analysis is very much an iterative process that will continue to evolve. Further details are available in the book by Daniel Keim, Mastering the Information Age, Solving Problems with Visual Analytics. In the literature, often, researchers will describe this as having a human in the loop, or by adopting a visual analytics loop. This is more and more common nowadays as dashboards and interactive analysis techniques have become a normal means of practice. Introducing Python notebooks. Notebooks are used for rapid prototyping of ideas, to test the theory, or to derive some experiment. In particular, when we talk of notebooks, we are describing computational notebooks, 
where we want to jot down ideas and test these, us being able to jot down code samples and examine our results and findings quickly. Scripting languages such as Python and JavaScript make it much easier to rapidly construct a piece of code to process some data rather than having to compile code to source like you would do in C or Java. Notebook environments provide a clean approach for integrating code, text, graphics, and other forms of media, using a web browser to interact with this rather than relying on traditional IDEs or text editors. Notebooks stem back to software tools such as Mathematica. However, the most commonly used notebook format today is the Jupyter Notebook, formerly called the IPython Notebook, hence the file extension IPyNB. Jupyter is an amalgamation of Julia, Python, and R, the three programming languages it was originally designed for. However, over the years, a number of extensions have been developed to support many more languages, making it a de facto standard for computational notebooks. Notebooks essentially store their data in JSON format, and the Jupyter environment then renders this correctly for user interaction. More recently, Jupyter Lab has been proposed as a browser-based environment for working with notebooks that supports a number of modern features compared to the original Jupyter environment. Python has grown in popularity significantly over the last 10 years. There are a number of reasons, such as the ability to use the REPL command line, read, evaluate, print, loop, which links well with our view of iterative practice for data science. Furthermore, the wealth of libraries developed for Python means that many tasks can be performed quickly using these libraries rather than coding from scratch. In particular, for data science, there are a number of libraries that are seen as the standard. NumPy, numerical Python, SciPy, scientific Python, Matplotlib, a Python graphing library originating from MATLAB conventions, Pandas, powerful data analysis, as well as scikit-learn, used for machine learning, TensorFlow, Keras, and PyTorch, used for deep learning, and NLTK, Natural Language Toolkit. As part of this broader course, we will focus on a Hello Security Data Analytics Challenge to demonstrate how we can use a data science workflow with the Jupyter Notebook environment to solve a cybersecurity challenge. The manager of the Security Operations Center suggests that her analysts are becoming inundated with trivial alerts ever since a new data set of indicators was introduced into the Security Information and Event Management System, the SEAM. As a cybersecurity data science scientist, we have asked you for your help to reduce the number of trivial alerts without sacrificing visibility of security alerts. This is a good problem to tackle through data analysis, and we should be able to form a solid practical question to ask after we perform some exploratory data analysis and hopefully arrive at an answer that can help the SOC. In the next session, we will look at how we can use Jupyter Notebooks to help us solve this problem.